Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Man, it's been good so far, hasn't it? It was a real honor uh, to have you here this morning and uh, to be a part of that ceremony. Um, and uh, so this morning we're going to begin another journey. It's called Go the Distance. Um, honestly, Matthew has, has quite frankly has gone the distance. Um, Matthew has gone the distance in such that uh, I actually asked him to review what I wrote because I wanted to make sure I had it right. This has been an endeavor for him and his family. In fact, uh, Matthew started as a cadet in the Illinois National Guard in 2010. Uh, then in 2012, he started to be, he became a chaplain candidate. Uh, and that same year, he graduated uh, from undergrad at Olivet, and he married his wife. So he's been on this journey well before he had Dean and Oliver, well before his wife said, I do. Um, in fact, Matthew has been on this journey for a long time. You mentioned that he, he was learning land navigation. According to Chris, uh, he probably should have that, that class once more because he only uses one, the same route all the time. And he'll be lost without it. And so, uh, but he, he's gone the distance. Uh, he's gone the distance for well over 10 years now. Um, working not only at Family Video, one location, but two locations and managing both of those locations. Also getting a seminary degree where he, it was lecture after lecture, uh, paper after paper, book after book, class after class. Um, and if he was like me in my seminary degree, uh, there were several points along the way that I just wanted to give up and throw in the towel. But he went the distance. And it also includes weekends and those two weeks in the summer, which calculate up to at least a good month, if not more. But Matthew went the distance, and you've seen the culmination this morning. With the swearing in, there were no explicatives. I was kind of curious if there were going to be. Um, but with the swearing in and, and the wearing of the cross, this was the culmination of moments that made the days, that made the weeks, that made the months and the years to go the distance. When uh, I think of going the distance... I didn't think about Fern going the distance. I didn't think how it took a long time for her to continue to use her lungs to go the distance. When I, when I think of going the distance, I actually think of the Boston Marathon, the starting line, and its distant cousin at 26.2 miles, the finish line. I think of the triathlon of 1.2 miles, as they swim, and then 56 miles on the bike, and then 13 miles running. I don't ever want to do that. I think of the rope-a-dope from Muhammad Ali, 
in the rumble in the jungle against George Foreman. And if you're not familiar with the rope-a-dope, Ali just allowed Foreman to punch to fatigue. And when Foreman tired, Ali spired and took him out. What I don't think about when we talk about going the distance is all the opponents of Iron Mike Tyson who wanted to go the distance, but many couldn't even get out of the first round. But personally, for me, I think of the Appalachian Trail. I love hiking. And you probably have heard many, many stories of mine of being on the trail. Are you hearing that too? I really hope you are. So I'm flipping out, man. <sighs> Too much caffeine, I don't know. All right. I, I honestly think of, of the Appalachian Trail, that 2,190-plus mile trail that spans the distance between Springer Mountain in Georgia in the south all the way to Mount Kadadin in Maine, spanning the distance reaching through 14 states of the Union. That takes... Months to complete. I just finished uh, Bill Bryson's Walk in the Woods, Rediscovering America on the Appalachian Trail. Just finished it last night uh, by listening. And he came to Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, and he spoke with a park ranger that had a wealth of knowledge. And that park ranger began to wax eloquent about the year before and informed Bill Bryson that in 1995 or 96, I'm not sure of the year, that 1,500 people, 1,500 ambitious, overly ambitious thru-hikers. A thru-hiker is a hiker that starts on one end of the AT and goes all the way through to the other end of the AT. That 1,500 thru-hikers began at Springer Mountain, ambitious and ready to rock. However, by Neal's Gap, Georgia, just 30 miles to the north, which is a climb of about 6,295 feet or so, give or take a few. By Neil's Gap, those 30 miles, 20% of people dropped out. I kind of relate a little bit. A buddy of mine and his friend, we tried to do 77 and a half in five and a half days in central Virginia two years ago. We started out and we were going to attempt to do 12 to 15 miles a day. First mile, our first day was 15 miles. At mile six, I developed what my buddy Kyle calls a trip-ending blister on my right heel, which required a change of footwear, but we continued to pursue. By the end of day one at 15 miles, we were by a soothing river, and my right hip was aching like it had never, literally never ached before. Day two was four and a half miles up a mountain, which was to include 15 miles total. We started across the road, and my buddy, his buddy Scott received a call from his dad, or from his wife, saying that his father-in-law had a heart attack. We made it over those four and a half miles, but day two we ended. We ended at 29 and a half miles. I can understand the dropout rate. 
I understand the dropout rate at Neal's Gap at 30 miles. The park ranger continued to tell Bill Bryson that only about, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, only about 300 or 500 make it to Harper's Valley. And then only about, excuse me, 500 make it to Harper's Ferry and 300 reach Katahdin. In fact, that was a 20% success rate. 20% of the people that started out to go the distance made it and went the distance. 20%. Which means 80% of the people who started at Springer Mountain dropped out and did not go the distance. Folks, I know you are not a triathlete. I know that you're not Ali. I know that you're not an AT through hiker or a section hiker, but you and I are called to go the distance. The Apostle Paul says, run the race as if to win the prize. The writer of Hebrews says, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. They have these, these symbols, these analogies, these metaphors of what this faith journey is. It's not a sprint. It's more like the AT. It's more like a marathon. It's more like a triathlon. It's more like being on the ropes and waiting for your moment. You and I are called to go the distance in life. Whether you're a believer in God or not, you're called to go the distance. The writer of Hebrews also says, So, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And then he says, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will have received what He has promised. In other words, go the distance. Will you say, Go the distance with me? Go the distance. I didn't hear you loud enough. Go the distance. You are called to go the distance. Paul tells his spiritual son, Timothy, but you, man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness. Godliness? Is that right? That's bad spelling. I didn't take good English. Faith, love, and endurance. Fight the good fight of faith. You are to go the distance. Paul even said, kind of in his last words, He says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. Paul is about ready to go. He knows it. And then he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He went the distance. And folks, the reward is on the other side of going the distance. Those two things are tied together. For you to receive the reward, for you to be in the presence of God in the end, you must go the distance. And so today and for this month of August, I would like us to become convinced that we have to go the distance, but regardless how convinced you are, that you must go the distance, 
that does not enable or empower you. I can convince you to go the distance. But there are things that we have to do to enable us to go the distance. I started thinking about my pack on that trip in Virginia. My pack was about 35 pounds. It's probably way less than a rucksack. But it was pretty heavy. And I learned on the journey of that first time on the AT that I had to lighten my load. I packed way too much. We have to pare down and we have to figure out what enables us and what empowers us to go the distance. And so this month, I really want to be straight up and and practical for you. I want us to understand what we need to do, what you and I need to do for us to go the distance. How do we go the distance? I want to answer that question over these next four weeks. And uncannily, I didn't catch this until this morning, but uncannily we're going to talk about today this man called Joshua. Matthew is kind of representative of Joshua. Because Joshua, Joshua in himself was a military man, but also a spiritual leader. Joshua was in captivity, in slavery, along with the rest of the Israelites. He was working day in and day out like all the women and children. Until Moses came in, Joshua witnessed the 12 plagues. If you ever watched Charlton Heston, that talks about the 12 plagues. He witnessed God's deliverance of his people. He witnessed the Red Sea being parted. Joshua himself was the right-hand man to Moses. In fact, God, or Moses, had asked Joshua and a young man by the name of Caleb and ten others to go spy the promised land, to take a journey, to hike, and bring back the fruit and tell the story. It was Joshua and Caleb that believed that God could deliver them into the promised land. Open it up for them. It was inherited for them. The ten others did not. And so during the 40 years of wandering, Joshua remained at the side of Moses. It was Joshua that took the baton of leadership after Moses died. And we'll read a little bit about that today. And it was Joshua, that military man, that right-hand man, who became the leader who helped them cross the Jordan to the other side and enter the promised land and begin to conquer and create a home for the people of Israel. That's the man we're going to learn our lessons today from. And we're got, we've got four quick lessons. So I'd, I'd ask uh, if, if you want to learn a little bit more about Joshua. His story is in the Pentateuch, the first five books. Actually, it's in Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and Joshua, the book of Joshua. So the first six books... If you want to read further on him, you can. There's going to be several scriptures that we're going to look at this morning. It's going to be scattered. It's not going to be as chronological and congruent as usual. But we're going to pull out from his life some lessons that we need to understand that will help us go the distance, whether in faith or in life. And so let's jump in to Exodus. You can pull out your phone. You can pull out your Bible. You can pull out your phone that has the scripture on there. Exodus chapter 32. 
excuse me, and it'll be on your screen. But I'd like to start with Exodus chapter 32, verse 15 through 18. And this is what it says. Moses turned and went down the mountain with two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. A little context for you. If this is probably the first time you've ever heard this story. Moses was up on taking a hiatus from the people of God and he was on the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. Again, back to Charlton Heston in Easter. They show this movie every year. Moses is on the mountain and he's getting the the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, as well as the rest of the law that he's going to bring to the people. And Moses is coming down the mountain. But while Moses was on the mountain, the people were getting trigger happy. They were getting impatient. They were wondering where Moses is. Is he dead? Where's this God that he's talking about? And so the people fashioned a massive golden calf and saying, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. And they began to party and worship the golden calf that was created by their own hands. But I don't know if you've caught it. Remember, this is about Joshua. It says, when Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there sound like war in the camp. We often think that Moses was only the only one on the mountain. We often think Moses was the only one up on Mount Sinai getting the law. But Joshua had no clue what was going down in the camp because Joshua was not in the camp. Joshua was on the mountain. Joshua was with Moses. Let's go a little further here. Exodus chapter 33, it's just a page turn. Verse 7. But verse 11 is on your screen. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp. Apparently he loved the AT as well. Some distance away, calling it a tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of God or cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. But notice verse 11. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua was the right-hand man of Moses. Whether Moses was at the tent or not, there Joshua was at the tent. Now some say, being a military man, he was standing guard and he was doing his duty. Regardless whether or not he was doing his duty, he was listening to the conversations that Moses was having with God about life, about leadership, about the people of God, about the law, about the Lord. Joshua was picking it all up. And when Moses would leave, Joshua would remain in contact with God. 
Out of this, we get two lessons. One, you go the distance by becoming a lifelong learner. You might want to write that down. You go the distance by becoming a lifelong learner. I had uh, a professor who contradicted a lot of other uh, leaders, such as Andy Stanley. Actually, Andy Stanley would say, when you stop learning, you stop leading, and you only maintain. When you stop learning, you only maintain. Rick Warren went a little bit this, a little bit further and said, don't ever stop learning. Because if you stop learning, you stop leading. My professor basically said, if you stop learning, you die. Folks, Joshua was a lifelong learner. Even before he started his journey as leader, he learned how to lead by the people he was around. He listened very, very well. Joshua took the posture of humility because learners naturally take the posture of humility and disregard arrogance. But there's something much deeper here because not only do we need to be lifelong learners in order to go the distance in life, to have this insatiable curiosity about people and about things and about creation, but in fact, we need to be a lifelong learner of the Lord and His law. The conversations that Joshua heard and listened to, the things that moved on his heart, they stayed with him. In fact, in Joshua chapter 1, right after Moses had died, and Joshua picked up the baton of leadership, God told Joshua several things. But one, he said, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Folks, the Word of God is so important for you going the distance in your faith. Sunday morning doesn't do it for you. Sunday morning will not do it. Knowing God is more than Sunday morning. Knowing God is more than a five-minute devotion. In a world that is all about the headline, and people position themselves based on the headline, and on knee-jerk reactions, we and you and I need to dig in and go deeper. Because it is then that the lifelong learner, we don't learn just to learn, to be smarter people, to make others feel ignorant. No, we learn to be transformed. Being a lifelong learner is about the transformation on the inside to the outside. Shifting your paradigms and your opinions and your understanding. Forming your heart, your mind, your soul so that your words and your deeds look more and more like Christ than ever before. Quickly, we'll move into lesson three. 
You go the distance by living what you learn. And in fact, Joshua himself says, right on the back end, my servant is dead. Now you then be strong and courageous because you will lead these people. Folks, you don't know where tomorrow will be. I just saw a post the other day. It said, for those of you who answered the question in 2015, where are you going to be in five years? You did not get that right. I didn't get it right. You don't necessarily know what the future holds, but you know the one who holds the future. And quite frankly, God wants you not only to step into that future, but to live as if that future is happening right now. Your learning has intention and purpose. You are to live it out. Because there will become a time that all that preparation or all that learning will be useful. There is nothing in the kingdom of God that is wasted. Nothing. Regardless of the marked past, the tattered past, nothing is wasted. You are not wasted. You are valued, and your experiences are valued. Joshua had to bring that to the forefront. He had a long campaign and a long journey that he needed to continue to, to live out. James, the bro James of Jesus, Jesus is his own brother, said don't merely be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Saturate yourself, meditate on it day and night so that you can live it out. It's supposed to change you. It's supposed to shape you. It's supposed to make you something completely different. So, be a lifelong learner. Be a lifelong learner of the Lord and His law and live out what you learn. And lastly, go the distance when you go with others. I was thinking of my buddy Kyle. He's the guy right there on the right-hand side. He was the guy that we went with in, in Virginia and my wife and I went with just about a month ago. Kyle knows how to put bag miles. He's like two miles ahead of you in like less than an hour. He just hoofs it, man. He's from the hills of West Virginia, no wonder. I texted Kyle this morning because he's a pastor down in Bethel Community in, in near Cincinnati. I met him in Xenia. Uh, he became the youth pastor in Xenia when I was a junior high youth director. And uh, as a junior high youth director, he was my boss. He was the youth pastor. He was my boss. And I had a conversation with Kyle on the front end because I was a chaplain at the, the high school at the time. And uh, I said, Kyle, are we going to meet? What do you mean? I said, well, Big Don and I, he was the previous youth pastor. Big Don and I would, would meet once a week. We would just talk about where we are, what's going on in ministry, what, what's happening in the youth ministry, what I need to do, and uh, what he was going to do. He said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And for two years, Kyle would come into my office, my classroom, and we would have conversations. And it actually turned out to be where Kyle was learning about ministry he would say he was learning about ministry from me but i was learning about ministry from him 
He was a PK. He was a pastor's kid. He had been around this thing for a long time. What eventually happened was that Kyle and I became irons for one another. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Folks, you go the distance when you go with others. There's a saying that I, I just heard about two years ago. You go fast alone. You go farther together, right? Joshua had, Joshua had a, a friend by the name of Caleb. I mentioned Caleb earlier this morning. Caleb and Joshua were sent out with 10 others. They were 12 spies to go out and spy the land. Numbers chapter 14. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of however you pronounce that, who were among the, those who explored the land. Not one of you will enter land that I swore except J- Caleb and Joshua because Caleb and Joshua were the two that believed that God could take them into the land. The men who went to explore the land, only Joshua and Caleb survived. Forty years later, Joshua and Caleb were the two of that previous generation who went in and actually drank from the promised land. And when all is said and done, in accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua, the leader, gave Caleb, son of that guy, a portion in Judah. Folks, you go farther together. You may go fast by yourself. Kyle goes fast by himself. He does. But he enjoys it better when we go together. We have more shaping conversations that way. That was the first trip that my wife stayed overnight on trail. That was the first trip Kyle's wife stayed on, uh, on trail overnight. We all went together. And it was a memorable trip. We went the distance. By the end of those three days, we covered 27 and a half miles. By the end of the week, my wife and I hit 42. You go further together. Folks, for you to go the distance in life itself. I'm not talking about faith here for a second. Because I know not everybody believes in Jesus Christ. But for you to go the distance in life, you need other people in your life. You have to. But even more so, with your belief in Jesus Christ, with your faith in the Lord, you need people to sharpen you. You need people there for you and in your life. So, I challenge you. Go the distance. Become a lifelong learner. Be intentional and purposeful with what you learn because it needs to be used. But it needs to transform you. So be a lifelong learner. Get in the Word of God. If you don't know the Word of God, that's cool. I don't even know how to pronounce most of these names that are in the Bible, and I've been reading the Bible since like 1996. That's okay. Just jump in. If you want somebody to go on the journey, I'm ready to go with you. We have an eight-week Bible study. Some of you sitting here have already taken that. Many who are are not here today have have been on that journey, that eight-week Bible study. Some of you, I'm already in that with you. It's eight weeks of a conversation. You jump into Scripture, you get familiar, and you get to ask some of the questions that you've never 
ever been ever able to ask anyone for fear of being ridiculed or shut down, it's a conversation. If that's you and you want to be a part of that, it's at your convenience. Come talk to me. Come talk to Matthew. We'll jump in with you. Go the distance. Get with somebody. Live out what you're learning. Church, in any time of your life, this is the time to live it out in our nation and in our community. To live out love and live it out loud. And lastly, go with others. So would you please stand? I want to remind you that Jesus himself went the distance. Jesus went the distance so that you can go the distance. So that you can have relationship with your creator God. Not only on this side of heaven, but on the other side. He went the distance. If you don't know him, if you're struggling to even go one mile today, he wants to walk with you and go the distance with you. You may have been fighting it. You may have been battling it. You may even have a lot of questions and doubts. But Christ went the distance so that you can go the distance. Would you bow your heads with me? If that's you today, you may be on the brink of and the edge of your life. You may be struggling to go one step one day, struggling to get out of bed, struggling to eat, struggling to make ends meet. I don't know. And you, don't, you may not think that you can go the distance. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, woman, I'm telling you, teenager, you can go the distance. Christ is there to go with you because he's already been there. He's gone the distance for you. It's very simple today. If you have yet to receive Christ and you know you need him, it's very simple. It's an invitation. And I ask that you pray along with me. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. I need you to help me go the distance because I want to go the distance. Jesus, I give you my life. That's just the beginning of the conversation. There's more to it. If that was you and you sincerely meant, I give you my life, Jesus. I, I just, I'm going to ask that you be bold and courageous as Joshua was bold and courageous and just raise your hand and acknowledge that today. That you gave Jesus your life. Amen. Amen. Father, for those that raise their hand, I, I ask that you breathe your breath of life into their lungs and into their world and into their sphere of influence to the people that they know but particularly into their heart you are the author and the creator of life and i ask you bring that into them you help them step forward and continue to go the distance father for all of us many of us have kids 
Many of us are spouses. Many of us are leaders. We have people that answer to us and we answer to them. Many of us are just trying to figure things out and we don't have it all figured out and that's fine. Many of us are on the end of, of our ropes and many of us are in our retired age. Wherever we are, I ask that you breathe in and you speak in your truth and your peace. Help us to be learners of you and live out what we learn. And Father, if we don't have anyone in our life that can go the distance with us, that can make the journey with us, Lord Father, will you provide those people, those sharpeners, those irons that will stand up for us, that will stand with us, that will call us out, that will be at our door, that will pray over us, that will love us, that will feed us when we need it. Father, will you provide those irons in our life, those folks that are more concerned about our spirit and our soul than anything else. Lord, will you provide that for these men and women, these teenagers, these kids. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. We give you all the glory. It's in your name that we ask these things today. Amen. Folks, I love you. Even if this is the first time I met you, I love you. We love you. We've been praying for you for a very long time. And so we want to be with you on your journey. So we ask that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. If you'd like to be a part of Starting Point, it's going to start real quick uh, so that you can get out and get your food and and lunch. It'll be right over here in this uh, main room off the right-hand side. We love you. We'll see you. Please congregate out in the uh, wet parking lot if you want to have conversations. Be safe, please. Thank you for listening to the Nas podcast. We hope you were moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.